Thanks for tuning in to the Newborn Promise Podcast, a production of Graham Blanchard Incorporated. You are listening to an interview with Kirk Walden called How Pregnancy Help Centers Can Change the World. For today's show notes, transcript, and more information about your Newborn Promise Project, please visit GrahamBlanchard.com. Welcome back to the Newborn Promise Podcast. I am Audra Haney, and today's interview may seem like a bit of a departure from the regular content in our Building Your Family lineup. But the more we thought about life and families, the more we were burdened that we had to stop and address the sanctity of life, that every life matters, even the life of the unborn child. We wanted to do this with great passion and clarity, but also in love and not condemnation. Last week, we shared an amazingly powerful testimony from Jill Cooper about how God healed and restored her after her decision to have an abortion in her 20s. Jill talked a lot about pregnancy help centers, the role they could play in helping preserve life, and also how her volunteer work in her later years has brought her further healing. We wanted to expand on that conversation today and tell how the church can make a huge difference through these pregnancy help centers. And just as detailed and wonderful as God is, my next-door neighbor at the time, Kirk Walden, just so happens to be one of the most sought-out pro-life speakers in the country and the author of the book, The Wall inspired by the story of Nehemiah. Kirk believes that the end of the abortion culture as we know it has less to do with politics and more to do with the church stepping up and providing the help, safety, a wall, so to speak, for these unplanned pregnancies and families affected by them. So we had a great conversation around my kitchen table and it was so encouraging to me that despite the politics of the day or popular opinion, the trends show that if the church could just love like the church does best with the hope of Christ, we could see the end of the abortion industry as we know it. I'm excited to hear your heart today. Just a message for the church and how the church can jump in and and really um, support the pro-life movement and how how it really is our responsibility to protect life. Um, so you, Kirk, are so passionate about helping pregnancy centers and really spreading the message that the life of the unborn child is sacred and precious. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and why you became so passionate about this calling? Well, it actually started with the church, and thanks for having me today, by the way. I was I had a little drive back. I was in Ohio last night, and uh, good to be back, back home and right across the street from you guys. But it started in the church. I was 18 years old, a freshman in college at Auburn University. A pastor was doing a series of six messages on issues that Christians needed to be thinking about leading up to the 1980 election. And one of them was the sanctity of life. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have any experience with it. I hadn't even thought about what it meant to be pro-life. I was a brand new Christian to become a Christian the May before entering college. So I was 17 when I became a Christian, just turned 18. And I hear this message and I think, you know what? 
Lord, put me on the front lines. That's where I want to be. I want to be on the front lines of this. I want to see abortion become obsolete in my lifetime. And that was my my dream, my, my vision. I believe the Lord had planted on my heart. And I got involved in the political realm, uh, all kind of different things, public policy. But then when I was 28, uh, there was an opening for a directorship at a pregnancy help center there in Auburn, Alabama. And I was asked to put my name in by a friend, and I just thought I'd see what it was all about. And I was supporting it each month financially, but I didn't know what they did. Mm -hmm. Going through the interview process, I realized this is the front line. Because when you have young women and young men who are facing this situation, they are scared to death. They know nowhere else to turn. A lot of them are thinking, especially college students, thinking their only answer is to end the pregnancy so they can get on with their lives. Mm -hmm. Somebody needs to be in the gap. Somebody needs to take them by the hand and walk with them through this time. And if somebody will, then we could see abortion become obsolete in our lifetime. And we're beginning to see that trend grow and grow and grow. So that's kind of how I got started. That was, what, 36 years ago. So, wow. uh, and I love that. I love the hope in it because we hear, you know, I think w when we look at the culture, it's easy to become discouraged and think, man, we are on the losing side of this battle. And yet um, some things you shared in your um, book, The Wall, which is an awesome read, but really the numbers are pointing and saying something totally different. Yes, they are. The trend is moving in our direction. I'm not saying we've got this solved or anything like that. But when I first heard about this back in 1980, there are more than 2,000 abortion centers. There are maybe a couple of hundred pregnancy help ministries out there. And they were doing, they're giving out free diapers, pregnancy tests, that's all they could do. Today, however, there are less than 800 abortion centers left. And there are more than 2,500 pregnancy help centers. And a lot of us are offering ultrasound, we're offering STD and STI testing to reach out in all areas of, of women's health. And on top of that, we're reaching fathers like never before. And so the abortion rate is beginning to drop finally. And I think the trend is definitely in our direction. We just need to continue to push. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to back up a little bit and, and cover a couple of things you just mentioned, which is one of the, is the ultrasound technology and, and getting those kind of the push to get those in our pregnancy help centers and tell me why is that so important and what difference have you seen when that happens? It's been fascinating, Audra. I, in the mid-90s, I was approached by a guy named Tom Glessner, who had been president of Christian Action Council in Washington, then became president of CareNet. He said, Kirk, I want to see us put a thousand ultrasound machines in centers across the country. And I thought he was nuts. <laughs> well, but I began to listen to him. And in 1997, our little center in Alabama put an ultrasound machine in our office. But when we could show them their child on that screen, they, they would say things like, I had no idea it was a baby. Wow. And uh, in fact, one time I remember a physician saying, I believe we just saw even the child's ears wiggling this morning on the ultrasound. <laughs> and we'd see dads come out of the ultrasound room crying because they had no idea. And they were thinking, we're going to go in this pregnancy and get it over with. And then they'd say, this is my son or daughter. Wow. I had no idea. And so it's having a huge impact. In fact, nationwide, about 86% of women thinking of ending their pregnancy, once they see their child on the screen, they'll choose life. That's a huge statistic. That it is. is a big number. It is. Um, and really, to, you just touched on it, but the dads, and I think that this is an element that 
um, maybe we haven't concentrated on, but these fatherhood incentives are really on the rise. Tell me why those are so important and and how mentoring and counseling for these dads is helping. It's all part of the growing up process, I believe, for pregnancy help centers. Here, I was a director of a center back in 91, and even I wasn't grasping it until later on in my tenure there. They ended in 99, and then I started working with centers around the country. But I think in the beginning, we saw these guys as, as predatorial, deadbeat, and all this kind of stuff. I was looking across from a dad one time, and I said, what do you think you'll do if you find out your girlfriend's pregnant? He shrugged his shoulders, and he says, well, I, I guess it'll be whatever she wants to do. And it didn't connect then, but it does now. He was scared, and he'd been told by society, you don't have a say-so. It's whatever she chooses. That's what the politicians are telling us. That's what the culture is telling us. But another statistic, I don't want to bore you with numbers, but 83% of women surveyed after abortion say if dad had been more involved, they probably would have chosen life. And so we're now realizing we've grown up in these centers, and a lot of us now have mentoring programs for dads, and uh, everybody from uh, guys who are in, in youth pastorship have come on board to do this, to men who are retired, to a 300-pound offensive lineman for East Carolina University who stepped into this, and he reaches out to dads, and they'll come in, and we say, hey, we'll walk with you through this time, because they've never, a lot of these guys have never had a dad of their own, and uh, they, they, they've never known what it looks like to be a dad, and somebody needs to take them by the hand, too, and as we do, they're jumping on board, and when I heard a guy at a banquet one time stand up and say, they told me I could do it as a dad, and he said, I'm doing it now, and I'm going to be a good father to my daughter, and I'm going to treat her well, it changes everything. And so if we, if we as pregnancy centers can get between those who are thinking of ending their pregnancy and the abortion center, and they come to us first, they have all of these resources available. Now, not every center has a fatherhood program. Not every center has an ultrasound. But they're growing more and more and more. And it's interesting because it's across, it's across denominational lines. The Knights of Columbus have put 500 ultrasound machines across the country, a Catholic organization. And, and then centers, I, I've been at centers one night in Maryland. I said, we need an ultrasound machine. They came up, they said, how much? I said, 35000 By the end of the night, we had two. Wow. So it, it's amazing to see the ultrasound, and now the dad's program's beginning to step up. Yeah, and you've already mentioned several different ways that people can jump in and help. Um, but, you know, I think you share in your book a great overall vision for how the church, how men and, and women and families can jump in. But share a little bit with us how the everyday person is so important to this battle. Well, isn't it interesting? When we look at Scripture, it's always ordinary people accomplishing, accomplishing extraordinary things when God puts His Spirit in people and they begin to move forward. And that's exactly what we're seeing. I mean, it's it's lawyers. I was talking to a guy last night who has a huge foundation that helps nonprofits, and he got excited about what he was seeing here, and he's looking at options. We're going to connect to that person who goes, well, I've got a couple of extra hours a week. I'll tell you an interesting story. A guy I used to pray with in college. We would pray every Wednesday night, I believe it was, or Tuesday, I can't remember. But uh, that was a long time ago, Audra, 36 years. <laughs> but we would pray, and he went to a pregnancy center, and I didn't know anything about the center at the time, but he went there, and he said, what can I do as a college male? And they said, well, you can clean the bathrooms. Wow. And he said, I'll do it. He did it every week, 
and he began to to get an affinity for life, and he ended up becoming president of one of the largest adoption agencies in the Southeast. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. and so it's what can I do? And I think a lot of times it's walking in the door of a pregnancy help ministry and saying, here's what I do during the day. Can I help you? I mean, there's folks who say, look, I, I, I know all the Dave Ramsey stuff. I do Financial Peace University. Can I help you? Absolutely you can because we've got single moms and we've got young families of moms and dads who have no idea. They need that kind of help. It, it's the, the gamut is so wide. I wish I could go through the hundred different things that people can do. It's everything from medical professionals stepping up to that person who says, look, I, I can file. And I can sit down and listen. I think one of the things that makes women more fearful than anything else is saying, what would I do if a young lady comes in and says, I think I need to end my pregnancy? They said, I can't do that. Well, you can. Mm -hmm. If you've got two ears and a heart for the Lord, you can do it. Mm -hmm. And so stepping in and saying, I'm willing, God put me to work, the, the possibilities are limitless. Yeah, and what encouragement or hope would you share to those who are, are really you know, looking at the world today, culture today, and election year, and saying, there's no hope. What what kind of would you leave us, um, lead us out with by saying? I think about Paul. Mm-hmm. I think about Paul, who was in a culture even much worse than ours, who said, he basically said, I'm here to turn the world upside down. That's what they're accused of in Acts 17.6, the apostles were. Mm-hmm. And here's Paul, who is, I remember one, one letter he writes, he's in jail, and he's writing all this stuff, and then he gets to the end, and he says, by the way, I'm in jail at the moment. You know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. But I think about that, and I think our culture, yes, it looks like it's going downhill, but this is also a time that could be ripe for a new awakening in this country because people are looking for answers right now, and the church has it. We have that hope in Jesus Christ. When people come to follow Jesus Christ, they're changed. And when we get involved in these pregnancy centers and begin begin to build families, we change our culture. If you want the answer to crime, you want the answer to poverty, you want the answer to any one of these issues, you put dads back in the home. And that's one of the things we can do. And better than a dad is a dad who's following Jesus Christ and committed. We do that, we change the world. I know what the trend looks like, but I also see the underpinnings of turning the world upside down. We've got to grab hold of that and go forward. Well, thank you so much for joining us with our live interview with Kirk. We so appreciate your time, and we hope that he has inspired you to dive in and get involved in some way supporting these pregnancy help centers. Join us next week for our last episode in our Building Your Family series with Dove Award-winning Ellie Holcomb as she talks about how parenthood has brought her even closer to Jesus. Remember, you can get more information about Kirk, today's show notes, transcript, and more information about your Newborn Promise project at GrahamBlanchard.com.